blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time and get right into it. Got a couple of newsy items to get to going down on the 40 this week. So we bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop sheet extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? I'm uh, doing pretty well, man. Enjoying playoffs. Got more Tiger Woods this weekend. So lots of stuff going on. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. Awesome. And Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist. For the Jim Thorpe Award. Don't have time to do the full-length intro, but he is a black card <laughs> member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Baber. Always Rod. appreciate it, brother. Rod, how are you this week, sir? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. So, uh, Longhorn's got some good news coming. Or at least it's already happened. Got some good news, and, and that kind of ties into kind of both things I want to talk about this week. They tie in together. So let's go ahead and start with kind of the big news item of the week. Uh, which is the, not kind of, it is the big news item of the week, the Juwan Mitchell commitment. Texas gets a linebacker commitment from Juwan Mitchell. He was set to be the number one ranked Juco inside linebacker prospect in the country in the class of 2020, but that commitment is now for the class of 2019. Texas, for the second time in this cycle, guys, they did it with, well, the cycle's closed, but they did it with Willie Tyler. Uh, They do it now with Juwan Mitchell, a guy that probably would have been really heavily recruited as a Juco prospect this fall to enroll next winter, Texas gets them really a semester ahead of time. So both those guys will be here this summer. Uh, Jawan Mitchell, Rod, a couple of different ways he helps Texas. Number one, you needed help at inside linebacker. I think Todd Orlando's uh, how yeah how he's handling this quandary he's got with a lack of experience. They're just going to throw as many bodies as they can at the problem and see if they can get two or three of these guys to hit. And it also kind of it doesn't completely alleviate the the Gabriel Floyd situation because that's a guy that was a high ceiling prospect, but you're really killing a couple different birds, more than two birds, with this one stone getting Jawan Mitchell. It's an impressive stone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you guys want yeah, bing, bing, bing. Make like a double hop or something like exactly. that. Exactly. No, no, I just think it's like you said, you need bodies. Um we know I think I think and this is not like a I'm not trying to insult the position. I do believe linebacker is probably right now among the least talented positions. And I say that without it sounding insulting. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, mean, not, I mean, look at the Well, I mean, it's a devalued position. Look position. at the corner position. Look at the D-line. It seems like those just have more talent. Especially You're talking about defense. proven talent, then. I, I, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. I'm talking about maybe I should say proven commodities. Then. And then also it I happens mean, to be a position where you can – it's sort of been devalued and you can sort of find guys that fit your niche. You don't necessarily have it as the playmaking role of the defense. Yeah. You just need to add more talent to, to up the competition level. And I think that's what he's doing. Mc, Jeffrey McCulloch, I heard, has had a great spring or had a great spring. Yeah. Love the way Joseph Asai looks. He looks like he's going to be more flexible – more versatile uh, within that defensive scheme than I initially thought to. I thought he was going to be more of a guy you just run stuff or pass rusher. Uh, and like you said, you only need two or three guys. The truth is, they're going in the Big 12. So, man, they're going to be playing nickel. 
They're going to be playing dime. Hell, they should probably even think about a quarters package with seven defensive backs on the field. They'll be playing a sub package 75% of the time. You just got to find two linebackers. Hell, probably more than that because, I mean, this is a base it, nickel defense. It's, it, it, well, it's a day. big nickel. Yeah. It's now a big nickel, like the official big nickel where you have three safeties on the field because of B.J. Foster's versatility, Caden Stearns, Brandon Jones. I mean, that's what Bill Belichick, I believe in Super Bowl 52, he plays big nickel against the Philadelphia Eagles uh, 84% of the time. Against Kansas City last year in the AFC title game, he plays big nickel, three safeties, 62% of the time. And the reason that's important is because you have to look at two offenses in the NFL that closely or at least resembled Big 12 philosophy of offense. It's probably Kansas City and Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The hybridized concepts they use. So Bill Belichick, the best defensive mind in the NFL, the way he's attacking, you know, Big 12 uh, offense and the, the different philosophy, the hybridized concepts, he's saying, I need more safeties on the field. Big nickel. The Chargers are putting seven DBs on the field. I think, you know, I, I think we saw Todd Orlando fall in love with the dime package, that quarter, uh, saw that lightning package yep. two years ago. We know the big nickel, as you pointed out, now the base. That's probably been the base, honestly, if you look back at his time here. And now with so much talent at safety now, he's talking about Chris Brown and DeMar Vion Overshone and you got Foster and Jones and, and Stearns. Hell, I can't even name all the good safeties. You know, you might need to think about putting seven DBs on the field at a time. Just a package. Not saying it's a base, but just a package so that you can maximize all those safeties. It's Todd Orlando who said Chris Brown needs to see the field. I didn't say that. Yeah. He's saying that's how deep safety is. And when you talk about the being just say maybe the base package, and then when your Texas and the new base package actually may accommodate your talent and allow you to put your best players on the field, it only makes more sense to align that way because you're not only fitting it to what's needed to defend the conference, but you're adding in maybe a reason to get your better young players and also your playmaking positions with the way that Texas brings the havoc from the defensive backs and then add on to it that you have a whole set maybe from the most efficient area of talent on your team, you go to the JUCO ranks to get automated yeah. service. And it's exactly like, I mean, when I heard that, oh, well, number one inside linebacker commits, and I was like, that sounds like we got a Gary Johnson to replace a Gary Johnson. Like, that's what he was out of the JUCO ranks at that time. And then he ended up being this track athlete that we fit to the Big 12 perfectly and was a great fit. Now, you, whenever you have a glaring hole, you can go to the JUCO ranks, and then if you can be able to make it be your playmakers stay on the field more so, especially now that they're getting older, you need to find a way to get them on the field. And you see us recruiting more and more DBs also. It's almost as if they're using this in the pitch, be like, no, y'all see what we're doing we can get you a way to be on the field in this conference. There, there's a couple things at play here, Rod, that you touched on. I think, number one, we know Todd Orlando doesn't want a deep linebacker rotation. You know, Good point. I, and, and him and Tom Herman both said when they got to Texas, and was it a knock on Charlie Strong? Maybe, but they talked about, hey, just because it's the fourth series, that doesn't mean the backup Rovers are going to go in this series. Yeah. You know, our yeah. best three inside linebackers – are going to play. Good point. And they've done that the last couple of years, you know, and they've been able to manufacture depth and cross-train guys in multiple positions. That's why in the middle of the 2017 season, you're able to say, you know what, we want Gary Johnson on the field, but he can only play Rover right now. Yeah. It's the only position he can play. Well, let's go ahead and kick Malik Jefferson inside the Mac because he's cross-trained at both, and boom, it ends up working, and you've got 
good luck trying to get a ball to the outside with those two chasing Great. it down. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of did the same thing last year, Anthony Wheeler, Moose to Mac, you got Gary Johnson Rover, and then you've got Jeffrey McCulloch, who really was your floater. He was a B-backer. He played some inside. He was kind of your, like I said, your floater guy. And he's going to be your most valuable linebacker now because of that versatility. Yeah, yeah. because we know he can play B-back <laughs> and Rover. Yeah. He can play off three. Like, yeah. Figure out what the Juco guy yeah. can do, and, and then he can work off him. What this point. does now, you do have, I feel better. I, I don't know. I don't want to get carried away like, you know, last year we were talking about maybe Malcolm Roach playing inside linebacker, and I don't know <laughs> the three of us, if any of us, really bought that as a long-term so solution. Kirkland, Kirkland solution. Levon <laughs> Kirkland awesome. reference on the podcast. But I don't want to get carried away and say that's something you can hang your hat on. But after watching him do it in the spring, I feel better about the chances of if you wanted to have a two-linebacker set and you need Joseph Osai on the field because oh, he's yes. one of your best 11. No doubt. That situationally you can work it to where, yeah, it can work if you've got Osai McCulloch on the field. But, Rod, as we know, there are going to be times where you're, you're going to need that Mac linebacker on the field. Mm. And right now – what Jawan Mitchell gives you is he gives you another body to compete with Delia Dayaway because you're just not leaving anything to chance with Todd Orlando. That, to me, is the big theme of this staff is whatever personnel decisions they've faced, they've made it to where they're not leaving a lot to chance. That's why yeah. they've gotten one spot left they can add in this class. That's why they're chasing Tavian Feaster. I, I chase running a, back, right? use that as a loose Clemson? term. Yeah, the Clemson yeah. grad transfer running back. Yeah, I saw that. Um They've had some contact with him. We'll see where it goes. I mean, he's still got to graduate from Clemson, and he's still got decisions to make in hell. Everybody in the ACC and SEC is recruiting Tavian Feaster, so if Texas is going to jump in that mix officially, they're going to have – it's not going to be like, you know, recruiting Trey Watson where you've got, you know, "Ah, we got a couple schools, Jason, even though LSU and Texas Tech get some power fives. Yeah, you're going to have double-digit number of teams that are interested in in Tavian Feast. And you've got young running backs, too, here, and I wonder if that'll – you know, because it's not a guarantee that he's going to get a ton of reps here at running back. We don't know how it's going to play out. Right. He would be be getting a ton of reps at Clemson, but you're just – you're not going to slab Travis Etienne for that job right now. Yeah, and that's the problem problem you want to have. And and to your point, we got to give – Russell Wilson it to Wisconsin. You got to give Tom Herman and his staff a ton of credit because you're right. They they, they have a great – philosophy about plugging holes and dealing mm-hmm. with the deficiencies of, on the roster. Grad transferring you know JUCOs that didn't even exist. Yeah, by almost by any means necessary. And they did it on the point, I think offensively that was his focus because I think they had more holes. Obviously the offensive identity crisis we were dealing with once they came on campus. Mm-hmm. But now you can see defensively, you know, they, they've applied the same mentality to the linebacker. Oh, we weak there. Let's bring – we got to bring in bodies. Linebacker bodies. running back. Yeah, yeah, right. it was the same thing. So, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't feel – now I feel better about it, knowing that there is the the option of playing more safety. That's one option that, you know, to try to deal with or counter your deficiency at linebacker. Well, number two, they're throwing more bodies at it because we have no – and let's talk about that for a second, too, with Juwan Mitchell. What's the skill set? Like, give me the scouting breakdown. He ain't Gary Johnson. No. Yeah. And we always naturally <laughs> now. No, you just see number one Juco, Juco linebacker. linebacker. Six, well, he's, supposed to, he, he's the same frame almost, too. He's like 6'1", yeah, Caleb Johnson's got the same kind of frame. Yeah, yeah they're kind of the same frames as Gary Johnson, but they're not Gary Johnson. No, they're no, not you're track not, stars. You're not going to no. find a whole lot of 230-pound guys <laughs> that run 4'4". Four, 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 four. Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we I think we got to dispel that right now. Well, I, I've heard a lot of that. Like It's an automatic connection. Oh, man, like Gary Johnson. And I understand, yes, taking the same path. 
stats, but he is no Gary Yeah, because he wasn't recruited to Alabama by Saban and then went to yeah. JUCO. That's what Gary Johnson yeah. literally was. was a track star coming out of high school. That like, went nah. to be Saban's linebacker that yeah. had to go to Dutch. So, well, so what's the No, actually, that, that was the other way around. So Gary Johnson ends up going to JUCO, and he's actually committed to Alabama. Alabama. It's just the SEC has some weird deal about They've got actually got really strict rules for JUCO transfers. I think to kind of it's it's really yeah all the things to be strict about. Very bizarre. It's really well. It's really really weird when you start looking at some of this stuff. Like like doesn't make sense. Did you know like K State as an undergrad, it's really hard to get into K State as an undergrad, but as a JUCO transfer, it's like you need easy money. Makes it real easy. You hear about that. Yeah. So, but the SEC's got, you've got to have so many core classes and so many credits and so many subjects. So Gary Johnson, I think it was a math credit he was short or didn't have or something. He was missed. But anyway, the transcript didn't match up, but he could have gone anywhere else. That's why USC got involved and Ohio State kicked the tires Mm. on him and several different schools. But yeah, no, had it not been for that credit issue, he'd be starting for Nick Saban. He would have started for Nick Saban. That's at a caliber with some was. of the injuries. Yeah, yeah Alabama yeah. had. Well, so, we're gonna have these analysts now and going. He got drafted by the way. <laughs> very he, much. He started for Nick, Nick probably. Saban. Oh, would have. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And not, I'm not saying hi, but he got somebody would be like, oh, he's a Nick Saban guy. Boom. Yeah, exactly. And the way we've seen Herman <laughs> be able to add these grad transfers or even go to the JUCO route, it's almost as if now you're gonna have these analysts looking over just admissions record and people's credits to see. Well, this guy, he's pretty good, and next year doesn't have big NFL prospects. He could be a grad transfer. You know, like yeah. that's, literally those. Those are niches that are there. That's the areas to why exploit right now. That's why you've got that's a that's why you've you got a player. Analysts. That's why you got a player personnel yeah. department. Yeah. And, and, and credit Derek Chang. Derek Chang has done a really good job. I know Brian Carrington gets a lot of credit and deservedly so. Derek Chang is the numbers guy. He's the guy that's going to mm-hmm. check out the transcripts and say, yeah. "Hey, this guy's got enough credits." Or nobody knows that this guy was actually a full qualifier out of high school. He doesn't need to get an associate. He can come here now. Yeah, he would so, be your in NFL. He'd be like your salary capologist. Yeah, be that yeah, in a room. pretty much. Right now, now get a kid's yeah, grade. Yeah, yeah. But now it's like, yeah, now it's transcripts and grades and GPAs. And How can I work this in our yeah. favor? Yeah. yeah, Derek Chang's done a really good job. Like Student I said, athlete. the Jawan Mitchell thing, right? It's the same thing they did with Willie Tyler. They took a guy that said, "Well, this guy's going to be." really heavily recruited in the fall, but oh, we can get him right now. Yeah, why are we waiting? Yeah. yeah. Why do we want to compete oh, with everybody else once he's on like six the open market, months. basically? No, and, let's go in right now early and, and get And the thing I like yeah. about these JUCO guys, he's like, Tyler, Texas? Tyler and yeah. Mitchell, the thing I like about both of them, they're both four to play three guys. So got they've got, we got multiple Which is crazy. Years. Yeah. Juco usually Juco. that's not the case, right? No. Juco usually is like, nope, he's got to play now because I don't have a lot of it's time. Like a he's red got shirt. two years, but yeah, you're right. It's almost yes. I was like, no, he's actually in this class. We're developing him for the future. And, yeah. and Mitchell's a little bit different in that regard because you're going to need him to play right away, well, just because of the position. Well, and, and as you know, Rod, not just because of positioning, but linebackers and your bigger DBs. Special Those guys teams. are going to fill out your special teams. They're right. going to be your kickoff team guys, yeah. kick return, punt team, all that good stuff. Yeah. Your linebackers and your safeties are going to, by and large, be most of the guys that that, that fill out those teams. You don't have the numbers at running back really right now to devote because running back typically would be another position where those bigger yeah. skill guys. I wonder if wide receiver randomly you'll have guys on special teams this year. Because you got so many damn athletes. good athletes. You know, they're just yeah. freaks out there. No, Malcolm Williams. Fast. Remember, we're seeing Malcolm Williams. Not the front line guys, of course. I'm talking about some of the back line guys who are not going to play. Like, man, those guys are Fast, like a guy like Jordan Pouncey, like yeah, go let just, him go let him be on a kickoff yeah, team. Yeah, they're just big and fast. I mean, that's what that's why your special team gets good, right? When your mm-hmm. roster just overall 
upgrades in talent. You have so many talented, fast athletes and freaks. It's like, no, no, our punt team, our special teams, our gunners are amazing. Mm-hmm. You don't even know who the hell they are. And you're like, who the hell is that dude? If you know, you like, Shocky know- Brown was like our gunner. Like, that's when you're really good. When I was like, nah, that guy can be the gunner. Your, basically, when he's not the starter. Uh, you know one I mean? of your teammates at Texas, Rob Marcus Wilkins, was a, oh, a special God. teams demon at Texas. He was. And ended NFL. up being one in the NFL. Was, I think eight years in the league playing mostly special teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it was a Bill Bates in the modern NFL, which is almost <laughs> impossible to do. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, I'm feeling on that. Just well, because that's... of Derek Johnson and Everett Rolls and Tyrone Jones, he just yeah. couldn't. Just couldn't crack it. A yeah. quick way to look across college football and be like, okay, who has the best 85-man roster? Teams with the best special teams. If you have uh, the best special teams, it's a quick way to look at it. But that's that. why those Florida State teams of the 90s are like when Texas, y'all were in the 2000s, and like you had these units that felt like you could like bust yeah. a touchdown on any play because you got, your players yeah. were so much better you got six than six or the, seven future NFL guys lined up across the kickoff just at different times. And it's make it not there, because yeah. that yeah. you are putting your best players there. It's because your roster's so deep so that's the only place your hungry badass players have a chance to go play you're right don't sell yourself short rod you were a hell of a special teams player back in the day i was i was good at the yeah, lines man. NFC i was a damn North gunner gun. yeah i was a i was a hellified gunner man i was great we'll go I back to it. 2001 you block a punt in the a&m game yeah no, blocked yeah. A kick. and then uh, the, the following the game kick, against yeah. colorado you had the yeah, the worst fake punt, maybe other than the Colts fake punt, that was the worst fake punt I think the I've ever seen. Worst fake punt I've ever, and the worst situation, the worst timing of it. Yeah, <laughs> weren't they up by like double digits or something? I think they were up eleven or twelve. So yeah, they were up, yeah, up like two or three scores. Like, they did. Oh, t- which God. team's gonna give it to? Them? <laughs> he decided to throw the fake punt. That was terrible. If I would have dropped, think about how hated oh, I'd man. be. Well, we lost the game anyway, so that doesn't matter. Still so crazy. <laughs> no, it, the, that's the craziest like step. Blake you, Gideon. You, your both your defensive touchdowns came in losses. That's so absurd. Sucks. It's like the teams are supposed to what, win. Do you get an 80 percent <laughs> chance to win when you score a defensive touchdown. You were over yeah. two. Yeah, it's that's crazy. like that's like Texas losing that game. Charlie's second year at Oklahoma State at home, where he <gasps> had three, two, two non-offensive yes! touchdowns. Yeah, that's a, well, Maryland. Holton yeah. Hill. Well, yeah. there was three and in one. Holton Hill have two on his own? Yeah, I think there was three in, in that game. In the Maryland game here that we lost, there were, I think Holton Hill were... have a pick six? Yeah, he had two he on himself. like a, a block Oh, the block PAT return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. And we, <laughs> we lost. lost that game. How do you <laughs> lose? That's amazing. You really got to be That's you know, a telling doing sign bad right there. Yeah, to, to lose a game when you have a non-offensive touchdown. Like, it's hard or to multiple. lose those games. Or no, multiple. Multiple non-offensive touchdowns. You got to have some stuff go way wrong. Yeah. But here's the other thing I like about adding Jawan Mitchell, Rod, and this goes into grad transfers. Parker Braun factors into this discussion. Oh, yeah. Maybe Parker Maybe Willie Tyler doesn't factor into it this year, but he's a guy clearly that if you're – this staff has shown, look, if you're taking a guy, you're willing to expend a scholarship on him, you're planning on getting something. Really, the only one of these kind of quick fixes that hasn't worked out was the Mikey Grandy situation with the concussions, which is – Boy, that's not out of your control. A conversation for another day. you can't really, yeah. But when I look at adding the quick fixes – and you're taking away, are you taking away a number from the class of 2020? Yes, and that's going to be a small class anyway. But I think this is Tom Herman looking at this window you've got with Sam Ellinger. You've got two years left. Ooh, and I think if you're Tom Herman, I, I don't know if he's thinking this, but I think he probably should, should be saying, I got two years left with Sam Ellinger. If we're going to win a championship, not that this is going to be your only shot, but this is a window we've got, got where, where, we, yeah. where we can win championships. This young man's got it. I think that's how Tom Herman's got to look yeah. at it. And if that means, hey, we've got to, if we've got to kind of rob Peter to pay Paul, so to say, we'll take away from the 2020 class to add a guy who can help us win Agreed. this year and next year, 
then we'll do it because this is a window where we've got a guy who can win us a championship. Well, just because he's so unique in, you know, and basically his ability to be a threat on the ground and through the air. You know what I mean? So you yeah. even so, yeah, the next guy is going to be good too, I'm sure. But Tom Herman is a guy who's coached championship level quarterbacks at a championship level. And he's probably saying to himself, man, it's really hard to stop this dude if we put him in the right situation. If I, if I can b- combine Larry Fedora's genius about you know the, the pace of the game and how to utilize and master pace with the RPO concepts, with the quarterback run game, who uh, was a, uh, a Coleman. Andre Coleman, yeah. Yeah, bringing him in. I, I, I'm with you. I think, I think you are onto something. I think it's – if you look at some of the steps, he's like, no, no, no. It's like having a, a quarterback, a starting quarterback on a rookie contract. Like, the, you know, with the Rams and the Eagles, and you see these teams go, no, 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 we got to go all in. This is the time to do it. Because after that, you know, we might lose this window. And I think Tom Herman's looking at it maybe like a window. Sam Ellinger's that special. He proved that last year, that you should be thinking about a championship with him in the fold. Man, you know, yeah. may, maybe Casey Thompson's a guy down the road you can win with, or maybe it's Roshan Johnson or Hudson Carter if – Preston Stone. Ends those are up unknowns, being your, though, right yeah, now. Exactly. You know, Sam. Going back good to the unknown. I, yeah. It's, it's one of those deals when you've got these windows in college football where you have a, you know, you have a proven commodity. You, unless you're Especially a program. A quarterback. Unless you're a program like Alabama or Clemson, and really yeah. those are kind of the two you exceptions. Without a, an elite right. quarterback, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just I think <laughs> Dabo Sweeney's not saying, okay, I got Trevor Lawrence two more years. Yeah, what yeah, what yeah. can we? How how good can we make yeah. this? You know, how talented can we build this thing around him? And then Bama, we know they've won yeah. titles with yeah. Greg McElroy. No disrespect to Greg McElroy and no, you know, Jack right. Coker and other they're guys in like a separate that. category. Can we agree with that? Yeah. Like all of this stuff really doesn't even apply to Bama and Clemson right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't I don't think Ohio State's just in that category either, but Ohio State's right there. But you're right. Even Oklahoma, you know, they're like, we no. got Baker here. We got Kyler. Let's go all in. Let's try to win. Or you in their case, mean? it's get, it's going to get the guy. Like, hey, yeah. we can't bank on it, – it's it's Lincoln Riley saying, look, we can't bank on Spencer Rattler maybe yeah. being good. I don't want to put my eggs in that basket. Hell, let's go get Jalen Hurts for a year. Let's go get the guy yeah. we've seen win at a championship level yeah. already. Yeah, I agree. That, well, no, I'm with you on that. Or the same I, I thing. Totally it's, it's Ryan Day saying, you know what, we can recruit a quarterback or we got Justin Fields who we might be able to get eligible right now. And that's what the quarterback transfer market ultimately has to come down to, right? Yeah. Is that nobody has patience because everybody believes – I got to get that guy, which is usually the quarterback, to make the biggest difference and to make the biggest impact. And if you're not Bama or Clemson, out to your point, you better be, you better find that guy and go all in, like yeah. quick, fast, in a hurry. Like that's your best chance. I don't, I don't know where you guys are, but just thinking about this Texas team, and I'm not trying to lower the bar for 2019 because I think this team can equal or better what they did last year. I think the pieces are there. Rod, I still think 2020 is the year that. Everybody listening to this, everybody needs to circle and say that is the year where you're thinking if they don't win the Big 12, if they're not in the playoff, it's probably a disappointment. I think you well, – I, I think you're right on the money. I think you – I agree with you. You hit the nail on the head. But Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, but Longhorn fans have observed them being ahead of schedule. It's almost like now that Georgia game is mm-hmm. now a gift and a curse to you. Yeah. Because right? yeah. Longhorn fans are not like, oh, beat you. Ten wins, and and he went from seven wins to ten wins. So if he had got to you know eight or nine, it'd be like okay, we just we're we're revving up, we're on the right path. Now it's like oh, we're no. there, we're back. Yep. So which is great, I love it, I love the swagger, it's all good. But now the expectations are there. Yeah. So Longhorn fans already have them. 
So if you win nine games this year, failure. You're not. Oh yeah, you're not on schedule <laughs> anymore. Be you're behind because yeah. you won ten. You're supposed to go next and go beat Clemson or Bama and make it to the College Football mm-hmm. Playoff or win the Big Twelve. So honestly. If you lose more than two games next year, it's going to be considered by a lot of Longhorn fans a disappointment. You yeah. can't. If you, you lose to anybody other than Oklahoma or LSU, it's going to be a disappointment. And even if during you, those losses, yes. it'll be disappointing. If, if you don't at least go to the Big Twelve title, it's going to be a disappointment. Yeah. So that's what ha- that's expectations, right? You can't go back to eight and five or you nine and four. No, you can't go back now, brother. And it's I'm, I'm with you. It's unfortunate because. We know there's going to be a game in there somewhere other than LSU or Oklahoma. They could play Oklahoma twice, by the way. Mm-hmm. Where they just they're just going to be off. They just going it's going to have a bad game. You know, it's going to be some mm-hmm. crazy stuff happen, and they could lose that game. Maybe not. But the point is, Longhorn fans, I've talked to them. The expectations are sky high. Yeah, sky high. What what tell you what? Supposed to be. We're f- back. Let's let's start. Let's start with this is the bar for Texas, right? Can you go win the opener? Because that's something they haven't done in a time. <laughs> you that's go. A good one. We talk. They I talk about starting one and zero. Can you really start one and zero? Because you haven't done it yet. Go go start one and zero. I agree. And then go yeah, focus we'll, on we'll LSU. Talk about the rest of it. But I'm telling you, Rob, if if they beat LSU at home. Man, you talk about high expectations. Oh yeah, they're gonna be a top. Your, they'll probably end up being a top ten team at that point. Oh, yeah. I think they top five. Depend, maybe? if Hell, they beat the LSU, last time the, Texas did win an opener at home against a big team, we were almost and, a top ten team against Notre top, Dame. It'll be probably fifteen or and something. That fell right apart. Right? Start, Rob, fifteen to thirteen I, to start. Yeah, for I, sure. Higher, just higher than that. Probably. I think. I think probably nine to twelve. Oh, you're yeah, yeah, top ten. I think that in that nine to twelve range, and they beat LSU. Depending on what that looks like, Rod, you could be talking about a team that if they're not in the top five, they're on the cut. Of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think you, you you vault yourself into the top ten after you beat LSU. Um, you know, I mean, I, listen, I, I think Texas next year versus LSU, first of all, that's going to be the biggest home game in, in, in Texas football history, arguably. Yeah. I'm sorry, in terms of capacity of the crowd and everything, the attendance, because it's going to be bigger than Notre Dame. Way bigger because no damn people gotta fly. They gotta travel. It's Dude, gonna be it's those gonna be hard. People they go. They, they already live here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're just gonna drive right on over. It's gonna be so many LSU fans in this town. You have never seen as many fans as you're gonna see for any game. I'm talking about even Big Twelve games, even any home game for Texas as you're gonna see. When I think that that, that Ohio State Austin. that Ohio State game in 2006 where it was one two. They, the they gonna beat them here. out, dog. Because they right next door. Yep. Oh, people, they got to fly, make plans. Dude, these people are going to get drunk and drive right over. <laughs> First of all, they're going to drive, then get drunk. <laughs> but, they, dude, they're coming right over. Yep. So, even the poor, no, I, even the poor swamp uh, yeah. people, only those rich people can fly from Ohio State. Only the people the going here. to the game. Dude, these poor people who live in shotgun houses who are LSU fans, they're driving right on over, and they don't want to go to the game. Exactly. They just want to party. Point. That's what they do. Exactly. They, they, don't, they haven't been to Austin that much. They're going to come here to party. Just dude, to tell you. They're going to invade this town unlike any fan base we've ever seen. Agree fully, because I remember... Be the biggest game of the season, yeah. arguably, for Texas, <laughs> and maybe even for them, just because it's outside the conference, and they're not... They're, they're, they're tired of playing Bama and all them every year, man. They like playing... Well, Austin's you know, a vacation. Austin's it's vacation close. Town, I know there were, some, there were some LSU fans that the last... The, the times where LSU's played in College Station, they've stayed in Austin and made the drive. Dude, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Because when Ohio State, like you said, when Ohio, that Ohio State, those fans were rabid, and they were crazy here, but those were the ones that were coming here just for the game. LSU does have a yeah. lot of fans ingrained throughout Texas, so this will be like a weekend, like partying, like ACL oh, type. But my it's family's football. coming down, and they ain't going to the game. They're just coming. Yeah. I was like, "What y'all coming for, man? We want to come down to the game. It's gonna be awesome." Tailgate they, ain't gonna do. It's gonna be crazy. A lot of crawfish and jambalaya. It's gonna be crazy. 
No other fan base, I think, is going to. The Aggies, probably, you probably, maybe that could continue with it. Think about yeah. the old Aggies when the Longhorns would play the Aggies back in the day. I see, back in the day, like it was 20 years ago, right? And then how the Aggies would invade Austin because they're all among us. That'll be the closest thing you can probably get to it in Austin. Mm-hmm. Because the yeah. Aggies are so comfortable here. Dude, them swamp people are going to come in and they're going to invade this town. It'll be interesting. You ain't going to be understand what half of them are saying. They'll be speaking Creole. Nah, go man, go man. Actually, they, I bet, though, they will be the funner type to tailgate oh, no, with. Be great. Well, but because it's certain be fan bases, like it's a fist fight when you're interacting. That's true. This one, they're going to come and want to just have a great they, time. Yeah, so it's going to be a hellaciously be wild yeah. atmosphere down there, though. I agree. Telling it's going to be great. They're going to break the attendance records. <laughs> yeah. They'll no, easily break the attendance records. I agree. Yeah. Uh, even though you'll have that construction going on with the, uh, with the South End Zone. Yeah, groundbreaking. But that's true. Still, Good point. Yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't think about that. That would suck. Sometimes. Well, I don't. I don't know what that's going to do to attendance because I think the students will move around. So I, I don't know. It won't. I mean, it won't affect attendance. Not for just, the LSU game. Yeah. For other games, it may. <laughs> well, just in terms of the number, like you might oh, not actually be able right. to you physically cut off ten thousand or something as many gotcha. people as you otherwise would. I don't know what construction's going to do. I didn't do. think about but that. But it'll be a hundred percent capacity. In terms Go of at, in terms of atmosphere, I don't. There's not going to be anything. I think that. That's going to touch crazy. that. I mean, USC last year was special. Notre Dame USC a couple years ago was really yeah, good. Yeah, they're but. right. But then one, either one of them wasn't good. Like, we weren't good mm-hmm. or either they weren't that good. Yeah. Now, and I know Notre Dame was so early that you really couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. But I think the expectations for both LSU and Texas are up this year. This is a game that I think both fan bases look at and say, hey, if we win this one, then we feel like yeah. we, we could we could we could play in the college football playoff position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I'm with you. I think it's it's gonna be a big game, man. Because big for game. Texas, you assume it maybe if you lose to Oklahoma or whatever, then at least you've got that non conference win over LSU under your belt. And yeah. likewise if you're LSU when you start, because usually in the SEC you're going to lose a game somewhere, lose a and you start you start yeah. comparing resumes and say, "Hey, we went to Austin and beat Texas." And beat Texas. No, it's I'm so, yeah. I mean, all the way around, it, it works for yeah. everybody. And we know Tom Herman as an underdog, which I've heard he's going to be a big underdog in the LSU game. I think Texas is supposed to be a seven point underdog from what I've seen. I don't know, Matt. If you, I'll that's what Brett up. McMurphy tweeted out. I'll look like, yeah, there's been some, some early early and I was lines like, for that oh, game. Man, yeah. That's a that's crazy. Um, so I think it'll probably be closer to three or four. You know, it, LSU will be a favorite, but. Man, Tom Herman is an underdog. Hell, I'd bet on that. And yeah. He's really good at the, as, a, as an underdog. So we talked about Jawan Mitchell and the impact as it relates to Sam Ellinger in this window Texas has to, to really win the championship with Sam Ellinger and bank and, you know bank on this, bank on this opportunity you've got now that, that you've got a franchise quarterback. And a couple things that, that I want to touch on before we get out of here. Right, I crunched some numbers, and I've got an article on the site right now. I just kind of started thinking, like, is – is Sam Ellinger the best quarterback Texas has had this decade? I think the eye oh, test would decade. tell you yes. Yeah, well, since Cole McCoy, for yeah, sure. Cole, <laughs> yeah, no but question. I, but I started looking at – I just started going through the – I just wanted to go through the numbers and see, okay, kind of where where does he rank? Um, you realize he's already got the second most wins of any Texas quarterback in this decade? Yes. Only David Ash has won more games? <laughs> Well, Did you realize that? Ash told me. Yeah. If you well, would ask me that, I would have been like, I don't know. Man. I, I guess but, so. Like, yeah, it's totally yo. But you're right. No, and, and, you know, continue with the numbers. I want to hear these numbers. But David Ash in 22 starts is 15 and seven. Okay. Sam Ellinger in 20 starts 12 and eight. And and I looked at it further and say, okay, you can take a couple of Ellinger starts, at least the Baylor start, and, and maybe give it to Shane Bouchelle. But on the flip side, Shane Bouchelle's got 10 wins. Two of those, the West Virginia game in 17 and the mm-hmm. bowl game. You can technically give those to Sam Ellinger, so it all kind of washes out uh, in the end. Um, I just went and looked at kind of 
did win percentage in a couple of different things. So Sam Ellinger trails only David Ash uh, in terms of wins, and his win percentage trails only David Ash. And games quarterbacks played in, uh, David Ash and Garrett Gilbert, which Garrett Gilbert had played in 10 games in 2009, mm, so I don't know yeah. if that really counts. Um, only David Ash and Garrett Gilbert have a higher win percentage in games they played in than Ellinger's, uh, which is 652. I went and looked. I started looking at accuracy because I'm a firm believer in Mike Leach's stance that accuracy can't is probably the it. number one trait you need in a quarterback. You can't, can't teach, teach it. it. Nope. Uh, Ellinger has a career completion percentage already of 61.9. By the way, attempted more passes than any Texas quarterback in this decade. That's 700 passes. David Ash is next uh, with 612. So Sam Ellinger 61.9. Only David Ash at 62.9. So really one percentage point better than Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle at 62.2. So you're talking about tenths of points to separate him from Sam Ellinger are the only pass uh, completion percentages that are better this decade. Ash has 612 pass attempts. Bouchelle's at 648. And then you get the other passer completion percentages. Case McCoy, 59.8. Gerard Hurd, 57.9. Garrett Gilbert, 56.7. At 56.3 for Tyrone Swoops. I went and looked at yards per attempt. Uh, only David Ash is better than Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger, 7.44. Uh, and David Ash, uh, actually, Gerard Hurd has a better uh, career pass yards per attempt, uh, 7.64. But that was that 2015 offense where it's like, I remember run, that. run, run, in with Chunk It Deep. Chunk It Deep, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to John yeah. Burt. Uh, so yards per completion, uh, only Gerard Hurd, 13.2. And I only used Gerard Hurd's 2015 numbers. I didn't use anything else mm-hmm. other than that. And it's a relatively small sample. Uh, yards per completion, Gerard Hurd 13.2 and David Ash 12.28 are better than Sam Ellinger at 12.03. Adjusted pass yards per attempt, though, that's where you get more credit for positive plays and yeah. deducts for negative plays. Yeah, they help, like drops or not in right. there or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, David Ash 7.4 adjusted pass yards per attempt, Sam Ellinger 7.1, Shane Bouchelle's third to 7.0, Gerard Hurd drops all the way to 6.8. Passer rating. Again, only David Ash is better than Sam Ellinger in this decade, but it's percentage points we're talking about. Uh, David Ash, 138.6. Sam Ellinger, 137.9. Rod, here is where Sam Ellinger really separates himself uh, from the rest of the pack. You're talking about touchdowns Turn and up. turnovers. Yeah, touch, yep. uh, no quarterback in this decade uh, has accounted for as many touchdowns as Sam Ellinger already has. He's already accounted in his career for 54 touchdowns. The next closest, believe it or not, and you got to do some thinking about this. It's Tyrone Swoops with forty-one. Ah, oh yeah, because he's but you got the twenty-four yeah, rushing Wooler. touchdowns, right? Wooler. Yeah, no doubt. That makes sense. So and Ellinger took that rollover. So yeah. I went and looked at these numbers too. Right, I looked at plays per touchdown. How many touchdown? How many plays does it take you to score? Sam Ellinger's touchdown rate eighteen point one plays per touchdown. Number two is Tyrone Swoops eighteen point four plays per touchdown. That makes sense. And then you're looking at Case McCoy twenty-two point eight. Shane Bouchelle at 24, so there's a significant gap there. Pass attempts per touchdowns, Sam Ellinger, it's not even close, 19.4 pass attempts per touchdown. Uh, Tyrone Swoops is the only quarterback with a better rate of rushing attempts per touchdown. Tyrone Swoops at 10.7, but Ellinger at 15.4. And believe it or not, number three on that list, Garrett Gilbert, 17, 19.7 rushing Garrett attempts Gilbert. per touchdown. Yeah. Interceptions, Sam Ellinger, 12 interceptions. Uh, the the next closest that. is... You know, swoops with 13, Bouchelle with 16. But pass attempts per interception, Rod, Sam Ellinger, because of that 308 consecutive pass mm-hmm. attempts without interception, helps this. 58.3 pass attempts per interception. Wow. Yeah, 
The next closest is Shane Bouchelle at 40.5 pass attempts per interception. Man, so Sam Ellinger. Those two are the most efficient and not turning it over in the right. backup in your starters. So Sam Ellinger, more than any Texas quarterback in this decade, doing a far superior job than anybody else at getting you in the end zone and taking care of the ball. The yeah, two it, things you ask a quarterback to do more than anything else. Get me in the end zone. Don't turn it over. If I could ask anything, if I could, if I could try to – Try to project or wish for anything to him to improve on. It would be com- completion percentage to go up a few points. That's when this is when Cole McCoy, who was a naturally a gifted passer in terms of accuracy, we all knew that naturally. But you remember his sophomore to that junior junior yeah. year, he started to make that leap. His arm strength randomly got he got he got stronger. That was the he best was leap I've ever football, seen from a Texas right? quarterback. He was pushing a football downfield more, but he was so accurate. He like, was beef freakishly accurate. Now he did have what is basically the greatest bromance, arguably, in the history of college football between a wide receiver and a quarterback mm-hmm. with his best friend, Jordan Shipley, throwing the football to. So it was like the, 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 basically the equivalent of the notebook on a football field we all got a chance to watch. But that's what I want to see. I want to see – I think his arm strength is, is great anyway. I mean, I've yeah. seen him push the ball. But that accuracy, like that pass he threw in the spring game to Jordan Whittington – where Joseph Osai was on the coverage, the wheel route, and we all agree, like, damn, that's exactly where it needs to be. Jordan Winston couldn't come up to the catch, but that's where that ball needs to be. Outside shoulder, right, drop down in the bucket. So maybe the completion percentage goes up around, I don't know, two and a half points, maybe gets around 63%. And I think that's what I want. For you know who was a lot like Sam Ellinger early in his career? Who? Chris Sims was. And the thing about early hmm. in Chris Sims' Big career, arm. not only – but Chris Sims had the howitzer, and he would try to force he, it in man, places he where he had no business forcing arm. it. But – Chris Sims missed a lot of deep balls early in his career. Yeah, As his career progressed, he became a much better deep ball thrower. Rod also looked at the run game. Only Tyrone Swoops has more rushing yards from the quarterback position in this decade than Sam Ellinger. Swoops at 966, Ellinger 867. Uh, Sam Ellinger's actually carried the ball more than any Texas quarterback this decade. Swoops is number two at 256. Ellinger I can see that. at 278. Yeah. So really, Rod, what these numbers tell me is Sam Ellinger really, in terms of the statistics, he's kind of the best parts of David Ash and Tyrone Swoops. Mm-hmm. He's he's the pa- he's the passer, the best parts of David Ash as a passer in terms of just the completion percentage and, and all that stuff. But he does a better job at protecting the football, and he's scoring more because he brings you that physical element of a quarterback run game and a true dual threat in the sense that you can design a run game around his skill set as a quarterback. And really when you start looking at just the total package, he's kind of the best parts of every quarterback Texas has had this decade, right? Like he's got that leadership that like Shane Bouchelle and Gerard Hurd had to make to let guys follow you, but he's got that kind of bravado, almost that irrational confidence sometimes Mm -hmm. that Case McCoy had. But then he can (laughs) make make he can make plays the way David Ash did, but he can be a run threat, a a goal line red zone threat. We call him the best goal line red zone weapon maybe in the country. I think he is the way Tyrone Swoops was. So really. It's kind of parts of all these guys. Like when you say, man, if you could take Case McCoy and give him this or take Tyrone Swoops and give him this, mm-hmm. you basically got that with Sam Ellinger, Rod. Yeah. No, I agree. I, it, and you said – and we've talked and about this before. And it's even expedited. Well, even his personality, right? We've said, you know, it's strange because he's got more VY in him as a personality, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can never see – You don't a, see it, but, yeah, the swagger. The swagger. Like, yeah. who, who would go up on the we're stage? Even, even Chris Sims, if he was that good, I don't know if he would go no. – Yeah, plenty of swagger would go up on the stage and go, we're back. I mean – 
that was VY. That was quintessential VY. He had so much confidence. He had confidence to spare. In my uh-huh. opinion, that's the definition of swagger. And and I think Sam, that's Sam too. And we talk about that it quality all the time, right? And all those quarterbacks you went through in the last decade. And we all knew within watching him in the first, Gerard Hurd was the only one I think we were maybe we unsure about. Yeah. We were like, hey, maybe he's got it. I'm not sure. Maybe he does. Well, you maybe knew he had that athleticism. Game. Like, oh, the Cal game. Yeah, playmaking Cal And I think with Sam, it was it didn't take long at all. It was almost like the first time you saw him play an entire game versus a big opponent like USC. You went, okay, okay, I'm ready. He, yeah. he, he, just give him a little time. He, he's got it. He's got whatever it is. I don't know what the hell it is. But that was his it. Ohio State, like Colt McCoy, like when you have your very first game be such a big pressure situation that going forward from there, you know, it's especially the fact that you end up losing and you stay hungry, but then you end up having like a guy like Colt, his career, we talk about it really blossoming going into year three or four after the red shirt. And nowadays we're like, yo, you don't have that much time. Your quarterback has to come in and play. And that's sort of another thing Texas fans had wanted had not got its quarterback to show up and be ready as a freshman. That's what Sam was. So he even fits that if you want to add another box and being ready immediately early. And that allows you to now, he still has another year or two left on the back end where you're like, oh, you see all those numbers in the company you're keeping and you have this skill set and it's basically like a cyborg of all the parts that you want from a quarterback that he's possessed. So now it's just down to building the hype. And he even with the swagger built the hype before last or the end of last season. But, you know, Matt, you were talking about Colt, and I think what it kind of reminds me of is a little bit of a different time in their careers. But, you know, like last year we were talking about is it going to be a quarterback competition? I think Sam's freshman year it was more so even early we were in here saying, well, you really hope he doesn't have to play. Maybe you can hold off mm-hmm. as long as you possibly can until you have to play him. It just so happened that – you know, Shane Bouchelle got a shoulder injury against Maryland. You needed him week two. But uh, it was really Sam's going into last year, similar to Colt McCoy's redshirt freshman year, where we're like, it's a competition, but, but it's not really a competition. No, exactly. The Jets you know, need stuff was a little bit of a competition, but at the time, like at least that sort of naturally worked itself out. This one was Sam sort of took it on the front end. Yeah, and I, re- I remember Tim Crowder telling us when you know they met some of the seniors met with Mac. Maybe it was a Big Twelve media days or it was before that season, and Mac's anxious to hear about quarterback and you know hmm. how Jevin's doing, and and the, like the the consensus from the veterans was. Yeah, Coach, it's cold and it's not even really close. Well, and that's where you were at that time that, you know, Jevin did have – he was the bigger recruit. Yeah, he more the prominence, pedigree, And that was whenever you had recruiting sort of become extremely popular. And, like, you, you see this guy is a four-star guy and he's a good athlete. And you post Vince Young, you know, might think you need that athlete at the quarterback. You didn't realize that Colt McCoy actually was turning his body into the athlete because that was the biggest surprising part of that 08 season was it literally looked like a different – Different guy, and you had even heard in the off camp, you know, off season reports that Colt's body transformation and that he had a big arm, but you really didn't trust it because you saw the baby face kid back the freshman year. You sort of still remember the freshman. You still remember what has been basically what is disproven about a guy, what his flaws were, and there were flaws on the younger version of Colt. And that's the thing. Sam doesn't have those. Sam is a freshman, just came in. He has the body, has the durability. He only really big criticism going into his sophomore year was can he take care of the football and he even sort of fix that and remedy that real quick. So it's just sort of perfect for the modern immediate, like uh, you need production as a young player, and Sam's yeah. the first quarterback to really do it. That's that's again though why 
you know, I, I think this fan base in particular should understand better than most that a quarterback developing a quarterback at the college level, it's almost like raising, like raising a baby, like raising a kid, like, when you every step is critical and when you get to one step you got to realize okay there's another big step you need to take mm-hmm. like for a quarterback it's okay can he handle the speed of the game and usually in practice and scrimmage situations a lot of times you can figure that out okay can yeah. he can he process stuff when stuff is moving faster than it's ever moved for him before and can he do what he needs to do in the classroom and can he can he lead can you start to see some of that stuff and then Texas fans saw Garrett Gilbert's eyes they saw things weren't processing some players they process immediately sometimes they don't and then it's a totally different ball of wax when you go from the practice field to now you're on the field in a game and the other 11 guys on defense, now they all want to take your head off. Yeah. Now how can you react to that? And then we've seen guys, we saw Tyrone Swoops do it, we saw Gerard Hurd do it, guys that have success early, once opponents, once opposing defensive coordinators, once they've got film on you, once they study mm-hmm. you and say, okay, this guy, he cannot do this. He, yeah. can't, he can't make this throw. So we're going to take away what he does well and make him adjust. Now can you go make that adjustment? And now you're in the process where Sam Ellinger is, and Tim Beck talked about it this spring. Can you really start to look at a defense and figure out, okay, based on where the nickel is lined up or based on where the field side safety is, what throws, what plays within this package I've got are available to me, and how can I best go attack this defense? So it's really your – like as a as a child, as a, as a kid into your teen years, you're always growing, you're always maturing, you're always mm-hmm. developing – it's the same thing for a quarterback, like that maturing, that developing, building your brain. It really, it never stops. You always have to be cognizant of, okay, I have reached this step, but what is the next step I have to get to? And now we're seeing that's where Sam Ellinger is. Can you really become a master of this offense, a master of your domain, and really figure out how to best attack other people? Yeah, and that's exactly it. Like you had the comfort in the chaos. You could sort of tell Colt McCoy whenever he was pretty comfortable in the chaos as a youngster. That's how he got onto the field. But then to be able to form that chemistry and make the right decisions, play in, play out, because you just mentioned it right there, interception rates, like one every 58 passes or you're back up with Bouchelle one every 40. That's still explaining that they make mistakes, though, and the idea that how frequently like one mistake per game can flip an entire game and basically you're going to be defined by those few mistakes as Chris Sims is as a Texas quarterback Chris Sims didn't throw a ton of interceptions he just threw a couple really big interceptions at the wrong time in the wrong games that you weren't able to recover from and that's where you can basically do all those things you just said and then when you get to that game if you don't perform in it you can literally still be defined to that certain way so Seeing somebody like Colt is like the perfect example of that development. And then now you're seeing an expedited version with Ellinger. But still, like, Colt didn't even get his championship, which is crazy. Like, you look back at these guys, like, how good you have to be to be the elite and the best. And there, I mean, I guess you could say USC was sort of a Bama at that time. Nobody thought it could be beaten. But there's always that one big dragon you got to slay at the end of it. And if you can get there, that's just the one thing that takes fans are so happy because you sort of didn't think you were going to get there that quick with the Georgia game and then that happens that way and then you know 
you talk about Chris Sims, it's just like trying to put the analogy together. Chris Sims is like Sam Sam's Club. Yep. Man, those interceptions, brother, those turnovers, they come in bulk. Yes. You know, it's like one one stop shot. Well, and they, like, against in the biggest day of your life. Yeah, you'll be clean and then boom, you get like a four or five turnover game. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the Oklahoma game or the Big Twelve Championship game when you can least uh least afford it. And then man, it just it it should just this this decade, Matt, really should make Texas fans appreciate when you do yes. get back to that level of maybe winning a Big Twelve title or being in the playoff. Like you think about Chris Sims' career, like two thousand one Really, 2001 to 2002, Texas should have won a Big 12 title in one of those two years. And and I don't know, depending on how the BCS would have worked out, blah, blah. Well, we know in 2001, if they beat Colorado, they go play Miami for the national title. Exactly. And then same thing with 08 and 09. You probably should have won one national title, one of those, and you didn't. At least you played for one. And you really, let's be honest, you should have played for two. Colt should have played for two. Yeah, screwed. I mean... It changed the system. I I know Vance Bedford has disagreed when he was here and he got asked about it, but... I would take that 08 Texas team over Florida in a head-to-head. Oh, yeah, I would. I mean, I've argued I maybe would take the 08 team over the 05 Texas team, like just because of how Ooh. well they performed. Like me and Wright have just spoke about the team maximizing. It was like that 08 team seemed to be maximizing and could beat anybody. It's almost like where you're at right now with the modern Big 12. Like, okay, well, you can be this good, but – this offense can't be stopped, and they're going to score every time. So now how are you going to beat a team that scores every time? It's what Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma is doing, and it's that's just where that argument – it would have been fun to see who had the ball last. Yeah, and it would have it's, – it's one of those deals like Vince Young and Kyler Murray are the two guys that I've seen, you know, and, and NFL high quarterbacks school. are different, but they're the two guys that through high school and college when – and I didn't see Vince Young in person. I've only seen film like a lot of other people have, but – their college careers are very similar. Man, until those, that clock hits zeros, if they still got the ball and a chance to go mm-hmm. score, they're not out of it. We that, saw it that against guy, Te- Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was 48 to 20 right with there like with nine minutes, minutes left. Oh, yeah. That was four minutes and something seconds. They scored Gosh, three touchdowns. Yeah, and because you've got that one guy. Yeah, and, and Colt was that guy. Well, that's why I take 05 because as long as you've got – look, man, if you've got 10 playing quarterback, I'm, yep. I'm not betting against you. You're right. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. Uh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. You can get us on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. But, you know, Matt, you were talking about Colt, and I think what it kind of reminds me of is a little bit of a different time in their careers. But, you know, like last year we were talking about is it going to be a quarterback competition? I think Sam's freshman year it was more so even early we were in here saying, well, you really hope he doesn't have to play. Maybe you can hold off mm-hmm. as long as you possibly can until you have to play him. It just so happened that – you know, Shane Bouchelle got a shoulder injury against Maryland. You needed him week two. But uh, it was really Sam's going into last year, similar to Colt McCoy's redshirt freshman year, where we're like, it's a competition, but, but it's not really a competition. No, exactly. <laughs>
The Jed you know, and Sneed stuff was a little bit of a competition, but at the time, like at least that sort of naturally worked itself out. This one was Sam sort of took it on the front end. Yeah, and I, re- I remember Tim Crowder telling us when you know they met some of the seniors met with Mac. Maybe it was a Big Twelve media days or it was before that season and. Max anxious to hear about quarterback and you know hmm. how Jevin's doing and and the, like the the consensus from the veterans was yeah coach it's Colton it's not even really close well and that's where you were at that time that you know Jevin did have he was the bigger recruit yeah he more prominent and man. that was whenever you had recruiting sort of become extremely popular and like you you see this guy is a four star guy and he's a good athlete and you post Vince Young you know might think you need that athlete at the quarterback you didn't realize that Colt McCoy actually was turning his body into the athlete because that was the biggest surprising part of that 08 season was it literally looked like a different guy and you had even heard in the off camp you know off season reports that Colt's body transformation and that he had a big arm but you really didn't trust it because you saw the baby face kid back the freshman year you sort of still remember the freshman you still remember what has been basically what is disproven about a guy what his flaws were and there were flaws on the younger version of Colt and that's the thing Sam doesn't have those Sam is a freshman just came in he has the body has the durability he only really big criticism going into his sophomore year was can he take care of the football and even sort of fix that and remedy that real quick so it's just sort of perfect for the modern immediate like uh, you need production as a young player and Sam's the first quarterback to really do it that's that's again though why you know I, I think this fan base in particular should understand better than most that a quarterback developing a quarterback at the college level it's almost like raising like raising a baby like raising a kid like when you every step is critical, and when you get to one step, you got to realize, okay, there's another big step you need to take. Mm-hmm. Like for a quarterback, it's okay. Can he handle the speed of the game? And usually in practice and scrimmage situations, a lot of times you can figure that out. Okay, can yeah. he can he process stuff when stuff is moving faster than it's ever moved for him before? And can he do what he needs to do in the classroom? And can he can he lead? Can you start to see some of that stuff? And then Texas fans saw Garrett Gilbert's eyes. They saw things weren't processing. Some players they process immediately. Sometimes they don't. And then it's a totally different ball of wax when you go from the practice field to. Now you're on the field in a game, and the other 11 guys on defense, now they all want to take your head off. Yeah. Now how can you react to that? And then we've seen guys, we saw Tyrone Swoops do it, we saw Gerard Hurd do it, guys that have success early, once opponents, once opposing defensive coordinators, once they've got film on you, once they study mm-hmm. you and say, okay, this guy, he cannot do this. He, yeah. can't, he can't make this throw. So we're going to take away what he does well and make him adjust. Now can you go make that adjustment? And now you're in the process where Sam Ellinger is, and Tim Beck talked about it this spring. Can you really start to look at a defense and figure out, okay, based on where the nickel is lined up or based on where the field side safety is, what throws, what plays within this package I've got are available to me, and how can I best go attack this defense? So – it's really your like as a as a child as a as a kid into your teen years you're always growing you're always maturing you're always mm-hmm. developing it's the same thing for a quarterback like that maturing that developing it, building your brain it, it really it never stops you always have to be cognizant of okay i have reached this step but what is the next step i have to get to and now we're seeing that's where sam ellinger is can you really become a master of this offense a master of your domain and really 
figure out how to best attack other people. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Like, you had the comfort in the chaos. You could sort of tell Colt McCoy whenever he was pretty comfortable in the chaos as a youngster. That's how he got onto the field. But then to be able to form that chemistry and make the yeah. right decisions, play in, play out, because you just mentioned it right there, interception rates, like one every 58 passes or you're back up with Bouchelle one every 40. That's nuts. still explaining that they make mistakes, though, and the idea that how frequently, like, one mistake per game can flip an entire game and basically you're going to be defined by those few mistakes as Chris Sims is as a Texas quarterback. Chris Sims didn't throw a ton of interceptions. He just threw a couple really big interceptions at the wrong time in the wrong games that you weren't able to recover from and that's where you can basically do all those things you just said and then when you get to that game if you don't perform in it you can literally still be defined in that certain way so seeing somebody like Colt is like the perfect example of that development and then yeah. now you're seeing an expedited version with Ellinger but still like Colt was, didn't even get his championship which is crazy like you look back at these guys like how good you have to be to be the elite and the best and there I mean I guess you could say USC was sort of a Bama at that time nobody thought it could be beaten but there's always that one big dragon you got to slay at the end of it and if you can get there that's just the one thing that takes fans are so happy because you sort of didn't think you were going to get there that quick with the Georgia game and then that yeah. happens that way and then you know you talk about Chris Sims. It's just like trying to put the analogy together. Chris Sims is like Sam Sam's Club. Yep. Man, those interceptions, brother. Those turnovers, they come in bulk. Yes. You know, it's like once one stop shot. Well, and they, like, against in the biggest day of your life. Yeah, you'll be clean, and then boom, you get like a four or five turnover game. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the Oklahoma game or the Big Twelve Championship game when you can least uh, least afford it. And then man, it just it it should just this this decade, Matt, really should make Texas fans appreciate when you do yes. get back to that level of maybe winning a Big 12 title or being in the playoff. Like, you think about Chris Sims' career, like 2001, really 2001 to 2002, Texas should have won a Big 12 title in one of those two years. And and I don't know, depending on how the BCS would have worked out, blah, blah. Well, we know in 2001, if they beat Colorado, they go play Miami for the national title. Exactly. And then same thing with 08 and 09. You probably should have won one national title, one of those, and you didn't. At least you played for one, and you really – Let's be honest. You should have played for two. Colts exactly. should have played for two. And, Got screwed. I mean, it changed the system. I know. I know. Vance Bedford has disagreed when he was here. And he got asked about it, but I would take that 08 Texas team over Florida in a head-to-head. Oh yeah, I would. I mean, I've argued I maybe would take the 08 team over the 05 Texas team, like just because of how Ooh. well they performed. Like me and Wright have just spoke about the team maximizing. It was like that 08 team seemed to be maximizing and could beat anybody. It's almost like where you're at right now with the modern Big 12. Like, okay, well, you can be this good, but. This offense can't be stopped, and they're going to score every time. So now how are you going to beat a team that scores every time? It's what Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma is doing, and it's that's just where that argument – it would have been fun to see who had the ball last. Yeah, it, it would have been. It's, it's one of those deals like Vince Young and Kyler Murray are the two guys that I've seen, you know, and, and the NFL high quarterbacks school. are different, but they're the two guys that through high school and college when – and I didn't see Vince Young in person. I've only seen film like a lot of other people have, but – their college careers are very similar. Man, until those, that clock hits zeros, if they still got the ball and a chance to go mm-hmm. score, they're not out of it. We that, saw it that against guy, Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was 48 to 20 right with there like with nine minutes, minutes left. No, yeah. That was four minutes and something seconds. They scored Gosh, three touchdowns. Yeah, and because you've got that one guy. Yeah, and, and Colt was that guy. Well, that's why I take 05 because as long as you've got – look, man, if you've got 10 playing quarterback, I'm, yep. I'm not betting against you. You're right. 
You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.